Bonjour and bienvenue to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy Mac, and today our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Brooklyn Nets in Paris as part of the NBA's Paris Games series. It's the league's third ever regular season game in Paris and Cleveland's first regular season game played in Europe in franchise history. Quite an honor, in my opinion. To be able to represent the global brand that has become the NBA is something that very few have had the opportunity to do. And to be honest, the Cavs are a global brand themselves, right? They apparently have the third most Instagram followers amongst the NBA's teams. No doubt, thanks in large part to LeBron James years, right? And while this isn't the, the team's first international affair, as they've played in Brazil, they've played in Mexico, they've played in China, they were clearly very excited at this most recent affair. They hosted fans at NBA House, they did a Cavs Cafe pop-up shop, I'm sure that was fun. They hosted 60 special Olympics athletes, and just as a side note, for those of you who aren't aware, Tristan Thompson has been named the Special Olympics newest global ambassador. I think that's pretty dope. And as much as I would have liked to see both Evan Mobley and Darius Garland get this opportunity to showcase themselves on the court in Paris, Cleveland has gone 9-3 since they both exited. The team's three losses in this span are tied for the second fewest in the league. This win against Brooklyn ties their longest winning streak of the season, standing at four games and doubles as their first ever win in Europe. That's big time to me. Cleveland entered this matchup, winners of their last three against Brooklyn. Recently, when I think of the interconference series, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is Isaac Okoro's game winner, right? It was dope. And one of my favorite memories from last season. Donovan Mitchell's dunk on Yuta Watanabe is a close second. To Watanabe, Curry wanted to shoot that three. That's thrown away right to LeVert. Mitchell has his head up, takes LeVert feet. Oh, my! Donovan Mitchell, an eye-popping fly. And now this third is Tristan Thompson being ejected in pairs. Has been called for a technical for taunting Tristan Thompson for his response. He gets a flagrant two, and Thompson is ejected. Wow. So Claxton taunted. Here he picked up the technical, then Thompson came in. That was rolled a flagrant two. That bump eventually Claxton got shoved to the floor. And now is when you have to be a true professional. Now it's time to focus on your game, focus on winning this ball game, and not getting caught up in the emotional part of the game. Now is the time to take care of your business on the floor. The energy was apparent from the jump, especially on the defensive end, as Cleveland held Brooklyn to just 15 points in the first quarter alone. This is perhaps best highlighted with this sequence in which Jared Allen, a man who needs to get some more all-star recognition in my opinion, absolutely locked down net star Michael Bridges. On to Bridges, Brooklyn's top scorer. Trying to get loose. Bridges pops it up, rejected by Allen. Gifted to Lee Stephon here. Mitchell off to Allen. Extra pass to Coro. Hey! 
the entire team was locked in, but perhaps none more so than that of Donovan Mitchell, who opened the game scoring 10 of the Cavs' first 12 points and 45 overall the night. Yes, 45 for number 45. Hell, our guy had 17 in the first half alone, despite not knocking down a single triple in that first half. He attacked in transition and inside as his dribble penetration opened things up for others. And it didn't matter how much they collapsed on him, honestly. He beat the defense to a bloody pulp when driving inside. And he's pretty damn scary when driving the basketball as well. He would finish with his fourth double-double of the season and 11th game of 30 or more points and his third game clearing the 40-point mark. Wonderful stuff. He kept the Cavs afloat once the rest of the offense seems to kind of flatline in the second half as the Cavs were outscored 68-57 to in that second half after leading 54-34 to entering halftime. I thought this game was clearly heading in a, a much different direction entering the third quarter, but clearly that was not the case. Luckily for us, Donovan and Karras were pretty much the offense in the second half. And just to kind of tie a bow on that, Christopher also had it going as he chipped in 13 points in the first half and 21 points overall in 35 huge minutes off of the Cleveland Cavalier bench. The dude has been, he's got to be among the early leaders for the sixth man of the year award. He's, he's just that valuable. He continues to step up in the absence of one Darius Garland, and he's about as reliable as they have come this season, which is probably a far departure from many people's opinions last year where he was highly frustrating due to his inconsistencies uh on the offensive end and honestly he he might not be shooting as well as he did last season from range but he hits timely shots and is ever impactful as a defender and Karis LeVert now in his past five games is averaging 21.4 points 4.8 assists and 3.6 rebounds just absolutely obliterating bench units with this play and he scored at least 20 points in four of his last five games that's pretty dope that's pretty dope I, I feel like Karis LeVert has just turned himself into this invaluable asset to this squad so I hope there is no general consideration of eventually moving him due to some of the uh, stagnation in regards to the guard room and getting players like Craig Porter Jr. and Sam Merrill more involved especially once the Cavs return to full strength and speaking of Sam Merrill, he kind of had a he kind of had a rough night, I guess, especially from an offensive standpoint. Um, Max Struess, because we got to factor him here. Uh, Max Struess left after just about six to seven minutes with left knee soreness, and in his absence, we got a heavy dose of Merrill minutes. Who, like I said, kind of stunk it up very uncharacteristically. Uh, had a bad shooting performance where he shot just 2 of 12 from the field, including 2 of 11 from three-point distance. He had a rough game, man. Rough game offensively. But even with that being said, the effort was there. He pulled down a career-high nine rebounds, and he did play some pretty solid defense. He continues to draw charges at a high rate as well. I love it. Uh, Merrill, even in a night where he isn't necessarily hurting opponents from beyond the arc, He's still making a difference due to the overall gravity that he's able to draw, his willingness on the less glamorous end, and underrated vision. He'd be moving the ball. He really does. Uh, he's going to have nights like this, right, where he just he just doesn't have going. All shooters experience this type of game. We've seen Max Struess go through this a couple of times already this season. The key is to not lose confidence in yourself and to provide impact in other areas 
uh, if at all possible, when you do see those minutes. And for him, that is that's key, right? Uh, as long as he's generating gravity, I think the shots they're gonna fall. And we haven't seen him have a game like this too often, really, if at all, this season. But it is to be expected. All shooters go through something like this. Outside of Merrill and Laverde and Mitchell, Jared Allen. Yeah, he's been playing at an all-star level pace as of lately in the absence of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. He finished with just five total field goal attempts, but he made his presence felt early and often. He would end the game with 12 points and 12 rebounds and his eighth straight double-double. Now, I really, honestly, I do not give a fuck what anybody says. This dude is an all-star in my book. And I know this recent stretch, you know, it just... It correlates with Evan Mobley being out, right? And obviously, in regards to all-star voting, it is a popularity contest of the highest order. So some guys who are deserving are not going to make it in each and every season. Jared Allen, for what it's worth, I feel like he falls in that category. I feel like what he brings to the table, people just don't appreciate, especially the, the casual viewer, right? Especially if you're not a Cleveland fan. You're not going to appreciate what it is that Jared Allen brings to the table on a game-to-game -game basis, whether that is uh, the proper setting of a screen, as basic as it sounds, rebounding, protecting the rim, uh, being a lob threat out there, being able to run offense through him, which the Cavs have been able to do in the absence of Darius Garland, right? You see some facilitation out of the high post at the top of the key you see it from beyond the arc with these dhos he's doing a lot of these things he's finding cutters in stride um you're getting playmaking from him which obviously that's an unlikely source and when you're combining that with the fact that he is very very efficient especially with the looks that he is given and he is a pretty good rebounder and above average defender obviously and you put that all together and i feel like you have the makings of a very very good player and Jared Allen has been nothing short of that. He's actually been playing at a all-star pace, if not MVP pace, uh, in, during this during this recent stretch of games without Mobley and Garland. And so, I, again, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This dude is an all-star in my book. And I think, I kind of wish the Cavs would have spammed his post touches a little bit more in this one because Brooklyn didn't really appear to be able to have an answer for it. They, they really couldn't stop it, in my opinion. I think part of the issue may have been the difficulty in getting him the ball consistently, especially in that second half. And this leaves me with perhaps my only true complaint from this performance, and that is the lack of Craig Porter Jr. minutes, right? He didn't see the floor tonight in a matchup where I honestly felt like they could have used an additional ball handler, just really somebody to steady the ship and kind of course correct here because we saw some sloppy basketball in that second half a lot of turnovers Cavs turned the ball over a grand total of 11 times in this matchup seven from donovan mitchell himself although mitchell had the monstrous game um, 11 doesn't really sound like a lot but when you consider that many of these turnovers i feel like they came in the second half um really kind of puts things into perspective and if you took the ball you don't really want to take the ball out of donovan mitchell's hands per se but giving someone of that shared responsibility in regards to distribution in regards to playmaking things like that i really felt like craig porter jr could have helped in that regard especially after you lost Struess. Uh, and you, you're relying heavily on Merrill, who had an atrocious night shooting-wise, right? And the thing that I said before, right, is Merrill, even in a night where he's just not necessarily 
hitting the three ball he still spaces the floor he still generates a ton of gravity teams are afraid of him coming off his screens because he, he more often than not has made them pay this season so i understand the rationale for getting him 30 plus minutes off that cavalier bench in the absence of Struess. but i feel like you probably could have leaned into craig porter jr at least i don't know five maybe 10 minutes um donovan mitchell he played 40 tonight and we needed all 40 of them to close the game out because you know brooklyn would go on a run to really close the game out they outscored the Cavs in the fourth quarter by a pretty solid margin and a lot of that was pure effort some good shot making especially from guys like cam thomas who that dude man he's a baller um nine and 21 on the night for him 26 points in 34 minutes and then you know lonnie walker off that bench as well eight of 12 and contributing 20 points off of the nets bench both of those guys really got brooklyn back into it and you know props to them because i felt like at a certain point this is a pretty clean win Cavs should be able to walk out of this paris game feeling really good about themselves and make no mistake they should still feel really good about themselves especially considering that they remain without mobley they remain without garland still no ty jerome yada 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 but, you know, the, the closing out of some of these games, it's got to be cleaned up. And I feel like just heading back to my point on Craig Porter Jr., he probably could have helped a lot with that. Now, I know JB post game, uh, he had this to say. Byron Knessi, Court Report Tunisia. Uh, coach, today, Espire Donovan Mitchell has played 41 minutes. On the other hand, Craig Porter Jr. didn't play. It's your choice. Uh, Donovan was phenomenal, but it's a choice for you. Yeah, I mean, and again, it, this won't happen. Um, you know, we believe in Craig and what he's able to do. Uh, just the way the rotations went in the first half and the way we were playing, uh, I didn't think it was the right thing to do to just throw him in there in the fourth quarter, um, you know, with so much on the line. So that was, you know, coach's decision um, just to not put him in a position where he hadn't played for three quarters and try to throw him out there. But uh, that's not going to be typical. Um, you know, Craig will get those minutes at the backup point guard as long as Darius is out. Um, but, you know, tonight the rotations just didn't work out that way. But I don't really know about this, man. I mean, I, I get it. I get the rationale behind rotations and not really having uh, a good feel for putting him in, especially considering he didn't really play the first half, things of that nature. But what we really criticize JB for a lot of times is knowing when to pull certain guys, when to know to put certain guys in, and just the general overall flow of how the rotation works. And obviously, I'm not a head coach. JB, we I rely upon that. I rely upon him to do that because obviously he's been there. He's done that. He has a ton of experience. But at the end of the day, I feel like there are certain points where you can just clearly see that this offense is lacking a true point guard, especially in the absence of Garland. And you know, Donovan Mitchell, man, he's looked like one of the better combo guards in the league during this stretch. But still, to put the complete onus on him to ask him to do so much when he's already doing a ton in regards to scoring i just feel like that's a lot i feel like it's a lot to ask and so why not give some of those minutes to craig porter jr so that he can alleviate some of that stress from from donovan mitchell frankly and give you an opportunity to see what the young man can do honestly i felt like we were going to see craig porter jr i felt like we were going to see amani bates as as the second half 
began to open because I felt like the Cavs got off to a good enough start where, hey, you build a big enough of a lead, you could probably play the young guys and get get the starters some rest, especially Donovan Mitchell. And while it wasn't necessarily needed because the Cavs have been off for a couple of days now, like them all, man. Um, but still, I felt like tonight we were going to end up seeing Amani Bates and we didn't. And the fact of the matter is this Cavs team kind of let Brooklyn get back into it. And what's the one thing that we always joke about on our end when we're, when we're talking about large leads is Austin Carr, right? The old get it under 10. Um, Brooklyn did that, right? They, they came back with a vengeance in that second half and it got a little scary at certain points. Um, we saw a Tristan Thompson ejection, right? Some, some hack of Tristan Thompson, like for real, what the hell is that? Uh, seriously, I don't know crazy strategy right the game had a little bit of everything there was drama with the ejection there was fireworks with um cam thomas and lonnie walker and donovan mitchell right there was some stellar defense especially in that first half and if you're a fan of basketball um this game really had it all right uh wasn't perfect but it, it was it got gritty at certain points and it definitely had its fair share of storylines and drama um I really seriously hope Max Struess doesn't miss too much time. I haven't seen too many updates on that. I'll need, I need to go back and check as of recording this, but it's a, a pretty fun game, right? And for Cleveland to go over and represent the NBA along with Brooklyn in this matchup, it just, to me, that's pretty awesome. I, I'm sure that the players, that this is not lost upon them, this opportunity. And again, I, I really had hoped that Evan Mobley and Darius Garland would have been a part of this, but at least they travel with the team and it won't be too much longer until they're back. So to be able to stack up some of these wins feels good because the schedule is about to get real as fuck again. Um, the Cavs got some dates with some very tough opponents coming up pretty, pretty quickly. Now, Cleveland next takes on the Chicago Bulls. If I'm not mistaken, that matchup takes place on Monday. But following that, they have a date with the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. So to be able to stack some of these wins together, as I mentioned before, the Cavs have now won four straight, which again, ties their longest streak of the season. Hopefully they can keep this thing going a little bit longer and keep climbing those standings because as of right now, looking at my Bleacher Report app, and I get this, it's completely dependent upon where you look because these, these sites, man, these apps, they just can't seem to get it right. Bleacher Report has Cleveland listed at the as the sixth seeded team, and believe it or not, for uh, those of you who haven't taken a look at the standings in a while, there are three, yes, three teams with a twenty-two and fifteen record. I don't know what the tiebreakers are, maybe it's conference stuff, but Cleveland is listed behind both Indiana and York. Now, obviously, they're going to be behind Indiana because Indiana handed them some L's earlier on in the season but i know that they beat the knicks at least they split with the knicks so i don't know how all that stuff has worked out nevertheless cleveland has an opportunity on his hands to continue to climb up these standings and i absolutely loved it but yeah overall couldn't be happier you, you walk into your fourth straight win Cavs get to come home take on the chicago bulls and hopefully make it win number five before having a date with the milwaukee bucks which is, is going to be a tall order, right? No pun intended. 
Uh, that said, if you would like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and I will personally send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good one.